Well, there you go. I'm all done for today. I think it says it all, doesn't it? Try to see things, try to see things my way. But there's a deeper message even than the deeper message of that deeper message. And that is that Jesus would say, hey, guess what? You've all got a nail in your forehead. And you may think, and it's really easy to see that the other people in your life, they're the ones that have the nail in their forehead. Look at the discrepancies. Look look at all the ways in which they're wrong and they have it all messed up. And what ultimately Jesus does for us is that he turns the mirror around and helps us to see that wow, we're really, really broken. And we have uh, so much pain in our lives. He doesn't leave us there, but it's so important for us in our lives to be uh, aware of our brokenness. In fact, uh, Jesus would encounter people in his life and he would meet them equally and love them equally. But the difference between the way that people would respond is mostly based on the level to which they are aware of their brokenness. So some people would praise God. They would, they would go down on their knees, and then they would start to say the word, Hallelujah! 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 Which means praise God. Hallelujah, praise, and yah, God. Can you say that with me? Hallelujah. Oh, you can say it better than that. I know you're Presbyterians, but let's hear it. That's right. The beginning of Scripture starts with this creation, at the very beginning of the Bible, this creation snapshot. And the words of Scripture are, in the beginning was God, oh sorry, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and it was a darkness, and, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And while a wind from God swept over the waters, and then it says, God said. God said. That is so important. God said, let there be light. And then the scripture goes on to say that God said, let there be earth, and let there be stars, and let there be a separation between the waters and the dry land, and let there be birds, and let there be animals, and let there be human beings. And at the end of it, God, after God had said all these things, had actually spoken everything into creation, God said, it is very, 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 very good. And we call this goodness, this state of goodness, Eden. It's the Garden of Eden. It's absolute paradise. It's perfection. Everything living in harmony with one another and and people living in harmony with God and with plants and with nature and animals and with each other. Then there's this moment when the, the brokenness takes place. If you flash forward in Scripture, uh, all the way to the account of Jesus, not from the very beginning of the Bible, but to the beginnings of the, of, the, of the accounts of the life of Jesus, you find the Gospel of John is one of the four accounts that we have. And John begins with these words, in the beginning was God, was the Word. Do you hear that? That connection with, with something said? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John goes on to tell us that nothing came into being that was not, that did not come into being through the Word. And then as if this great bombshell in human history, John proclaims that the Word then became flesh and lived among us. 
And I love this. And we have seen the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This means what John is saying is that the creative presence and power that created the stars and the heavens and the galaxies, all of that creation, that was made incarnate. It was manifest 100% in Jesus Christ. The very creative power of the universe coming to live among us, coming to walk among us, coming to talk with us, coming to sit with us, and to experience life with us, and to love us, and and to, to know us. This last week, this last week has been weird. Anybody think this last week has been weird? Just raise your hand. Anybody? I mean, it's not weird. A lot of people are like, this is completely normal. I see it like, then you guys, I need to visit you more often and hang out with you because I don't understand you. Um, because the most, the most bizarre thing happened in the entire world, and it was the Cubs winning the World Series, don't you think? <laughs> was that just the most remarkable thing? Oh, yeah, and this other thing that, you know what, I don't think anyone here, I mean, not many people would have predicted that Donald Trump would be president of the United States. Is there anyone here that would have put all of their money on Donald Trump being president of the United States last week? Anyone? Not a single hand has been raised just for historical records, people looking back 100 years from now. I just want you to know. Wow. And you know what was beautiful on on election day was to come into this room How many people came to this room to vote? Wasn't that beautiful to see the worship space with 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 polls? What are they called? Polling booths? Polling booths. And more than that, there were volunteers that I've never seen or met before, and they were here and they were serving. And you know what? We are not very good predictors of the future, obviously. We didn't know that the Cubs, I mean, not many people guessed. Not many people guessed when the Cubs were down three games. I think, were they down three games? Am I right on that? That they would win the World Series. And not many people last Sunday thought that Donald Trump would be president of the United States. We can't even see a day in front of us. In fact, I'd say most of the pollsters, if not all the pollsters, said that he wouldn't be president of the United States. We try so hard to predict the future, and it seems like we're unable to do that. But one thing that we are able to do is to participate in the future. And to see all of you coming and voting and participating in the future of this world. And what God is going to be doing is so heartening. And to see that at the, uh, the, the last Tuesday, to see hundreds of people, if not thousands of people from all over this area, were in this very room participating in the future. And I want to say thank you to each one of you who did that. And also, this is Veterans Day Sunday. And so... Uh, I would like for just a moment for anyone who's a veteran. Uh, Jinsuk, I know you're a veteran, so you can't sit down. And Wendy, I know you're a veteran, so you can't stay seated. So if there's anyone else, please stand. If you are a veteran uh, who has served in, the, in uniform for our country, is there anyone else in this country? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. For, particip- for participating in the future. Even though we can't predict the future, you participated in it. And you were willing to put yourselves out there completely, 100%, and willing to put your life on the line so that other people could live more fully. I can't think of a better articulation of God's love for us 
And Jesus couldn't either. He said, there's no greater love that man has than to give his life for another human being. Today's scripture is a scripture from Isaiah, which is smack dab in the middle of all of this complexity, in the middle of the creation of the universe, and then Jesus Christ's, the creation coming into being. 700 years before Jesus, there was this prophet called Isaiah. And a lot of people think that a prophet is someone who only predicts the future. Actually, Isaiah spent most of his time just explaining what was going on in the present. Isaiah uh, spent the first 65 chapters of the book that we're looking at in 700 years before Jesus talking to a, a nation that had gone off course and they just didn't know it. They were way off course and everybody seemed to be saying, no, we're not off course. We're not that far off. Really, everything's okay. But Isaiah had spoken with God and God told Isaiah that he needed to open people's eyes to the depths of their brokenness, to how far that they had gone off course in their life. And so Isaiah followed God's commands to go to the, to the temple gate and to tell people uh, that, that murder was wrong. Uh, that should be a, a, without question, right? Oh, here's another one that, uh, that Isaiah needed to tell people, that it was wrong to, ha- uh, to, to um, pay for prostitution by exchanging your child. Isaiah needed to tell people that that was immoral. And off track. And it appears that somehow we get into this place where like, we're like the people with the nail in our forehead. We can't seem to identify what's wrong. And, and, and as a result, we continue living our life, but we don't understand the depth of, of the problem, <laughs> quite literally. And so Isaiah then meets with uh, these people, and he shares this vision in the midst of, of, a, of a nation that was was about to experience attack. He had predicted the attack. He predicted all of the wars that would be coming. And he also said, there's something bigger that is happening here. Much bigger. While you might be looking at the fine details of the events that are happening in your life, and you may be thinking, this is everything. Isaiah is saying there's a much, much bigger picture. And in a dream, Isaiah was given by God a vision of heaven. And then he shared that by command of God with the people who were in Jerusalem at the time. And these are the words that Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17 through 25. For I, this is God speaking, for I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Now focus on that. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Think forgiveness. Think about the power of forgiveness. But be glad and rejoice for in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy. What? Jerusalem is a joy? No, look how far off it is. Yes, it's going to take the brokenness of Jerusalem and it's going to be a joy and a delight. And it's people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry, no more pain. No more struggle. No more injustice. Let's read on. Or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered a curse. Now, today we have the mission market out here. 
And, and there are many mission partners you should visit and think about buying all of your Christmas presents from. And one of those mission partners is Ministry of Hope in Malawi, Africa. I see Kara went to Africa with her and with a group from this church. And one of the shark, stark, harsh realities that I encountered there was when talking to a physician who is working, was working in a hospital in that part of, is a Presbyterian hospital, is one of the best hospitals they had, and they really welcomed so many poor people from the surrounding villages. Their government funding was being cut. And he said, you know, it's really sad because we don't have the $20,000 or $100,000 that we need, and as a result, we're not going to be able to provide the medication that we need, and we're going to have to stop the program that is helping with maternal uh, infant mortality rates the maternity program that had almost plummeted the infant mortality rates to zero. And he could just, t- he could predict the future. He knew that as a result of losing that funding, and I didn't know what to say to him. I was just standing in front of him with this, with, it took my breath away. See, this vision of the future is that there will never be an infant that will live just a few days. Never. Or an old priest, and even the smallest injustice, you know, sometimes, I, I actually, it's pretty horrible, but if you talk to old people, the doctors, the doctors, my grandmother, she, she has like a, a pain in her eye and she wants surgery, and they say, you can tell that the insurance companies are just not ready to really kind of invest in a 98-year-old person. The injustice of it all. Because somehow, young people are more important there will not even be that kind of injustice. There will not be a person who dies at 100. One who dies at 100, it says, will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of 100 will be considered accursed. And then the scripture goes on to say, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Can you imagine building houses? Imagine, imagine a person who's building houses for their entire lifetime, and they never get to live in one. Wow, that's, that seems kind of wrong, doesn't it? that they spend their whole life building houses, but they would never be able to live in one. Or if whole life planting vineyards never eat the fruit, they shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. Imagine sending kids off to war. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is so much pain in the world, isn't there? This past week, I have been surrounded by so many people who have had loved ones that are going through the biggest difficulties of their life. And particularly, people who, are, who have died, uh, who have experienced loved ones who are dying, um, or who, uh, there's one woman I met after I had talked to a bunch of people who have just had relatives passing in their life, and she said, 
she said on Wednesday she was having a really tough day. And I thought, okay, here it is. I need to hear about the election, and we'll talk about that. And she said, no, I work at the LA Equestrian Center, and there's this virus that's been going through the Equestrian Center, and the whole place is on quarantine. And she said, the horses are dying of neurological diseases. She has no, you have no idea how hard it is to see these horses just losing it and dying, and you can't touch them, and you can't love them. There's so much pain and so much injustice in the world around us. And then even this last Monday, someone passed away. His name was Leonard Cohen. Do you know who that is? Leonard Cohen wrote a song called Hallelujah, which I'll bet you're pretty familiar with. I love the words of Hallelujah that he wrote. I think pretty much everyone who ever hears them does. What's beautiful about Hallelujah is it recognizes what the nation of Israel had forgotten for so long. It recognizes that God works through the brokenness of the story of humanity. You know, a lot of people forget, they think King David was this perfect person, but King David was far from perfect. He was one of the most broken people in history. People think that the Apostle Paul was this perfect person, but actually the Apostle Paul persecuted and terrorized Christians. You know, people often think that the story of God's work through people in the Bible is the story of God working through perfect people, but actually it's the story of God working through some of the worst people that you've ever met in your entire life. But God still works. And it's interesting that Leonard Cohen, this, he, he was told as a little boy that he was, he was a direct descendant of Aaron, <laughs> who was the brother of Moses. This guy, Leonard Cohen, who grew up, he must have been called Leo by his friends. He grew up in Montreal, Quebec. When he was nine years old, his dad died. And that shaped the rest of his life and his struggle to find identity. Who was he in this world? At the age of 50, after he had already tried a career in law, after he had already tried to do his bachelor's in, in English literature and to become a poet, he found himself on the floor of a hotel room in New York City writing out the words in his underwear on that floor, writing out the words to hallelujah. I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. It was a cold and it was a broken hallelujah. You see, if you find yourself in a place of brokenness, there is big possibility that this is exactly where God wants you to be in order to, to draw that hallelujah from the depths of your soul. You see, life is not just about praising God in the good times. It's about saying hallelujah in the bad times. And it's particularly in the bad times when we hear these visions of heaven, we see these visions that people and prophets like Isaiah have given to us of what heaven looks like, that we discover the stark contrast between heaven and, and our reality that we're living in right now. That there are people who are suffering in the world. And that even the condition that we're living in is not right or good. You see, there's no real opportunity to to embrace and receive Jesus Christ unless you first per perceive Jesus Christ for who he is. 
A lot of people, when they encountered Jesus, all they saw was a guy who had a nail in his forehead. Oh, you're healing people on Sundays, on Saturdays, well, actually, Saturdays back then, but on the Sabbath, on the holy day. Oh, you're eating the bread of, the, the consecrated bread is what they told David. What they didn't see was the deeper story and the deeper heart and the love of Jesus Christ. But when they saw it, when they allowed that, the cracks to be formed in, not a, in, in the cement ceiling of the darkness of this world, so that they could see the heaven shining through those cracks, they were given hope. The hope and the promise that Jesus Christ brings that this is not the final word. That there's a coming kingdom in which there will be no division between people and there will be no even division between animals. The, the, the wolf and the lion will lie down together. Or they'll cuddle up and love each other. You see, this may be your moment of broken hallelujah for whatever you're going through. You may start to be seeing that there's brokenness around you, but that might just not be something new. It just might be God opening your eyes to something that's already there. And this is your opportunity, not necessarily to predict the future, because that's not what the power that we've been given, but to participate in the future. To recognize that, that tomorrow and the next day and the next day, events will happen. Events as strange and confounding as the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. I saw a big thumbs up over there. <laughs> and you know what? It will change nothing. It changes nothing about what you and I need to do. To find the other broken people in this world and to walk alongside them to sit beside them as Jesus did, to love them, to listen to them, to minister to them. We can't walk by them, this incredible mission market on the way out of worship today. We can't walk by the proclamation of the good news that God is doing in Malawi to build hospitals that are not government funded, that are actually really helping and healing people. Or, or private schools for families that have no funds to send their kid to a private school here in Pasadena, East Pasadena. Or preschools that are great preschools for people who don't have the funds to send their kid to a preschool. The list goes on and on. Now the question is, you could just be someone standing out there finding all of the holes, finding all the nails in people's foreheads, saying, you know what, that's not the way, that's not the way. It's easy to, easy to find the problems with the world around us. Or, you could recognize that we're all broken. And this isn't the final thing here. There's a lot more to come. But our job is to participate in the future. You know, the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians that anyone who knows and loves Jesus Christ is a new creation. See, Jesus told his disciples that the very creative presence that created the universe, that was him. And that that wasn't all, that he would be inside of them, that he would be in them. And that the heaven on earth would begin, not at some far distant future, but that the heaven on earth would begin with them. 
And it would begin with them realizing their brokenness and all of who God is. And what they would find themselves doing is they would find themselves on their knees before God saying the word. They would think about the cancer that's in the life around them. They would think about the pain of the people who are losing even their loved animals. And they would say the words. They would think about people in war. People in poverty, people who are hungry, people who are suffering gross injustice. And even in the midst of their own gross injustice, even in the midst of their deepest pain and darkness, they would be shouting the words. This is our call. And this is all God ever asks us to do. is to love him. And to share with the world how beautiful he is. This is a book that is called Broken Hallelujahs by Beth Ann Slevko. I don't think I said her name right at all. She talks about how grief is not necessarily always a bad thing or pain or struggle or strife. And she talks about people who are at the end of their life and at the beginning of their life, those little infants and those people who are on their way out. And she says these beautiful words in her book, perhaps the fact that I will most likely begin and end my pilgrimage in this world diminished is by by design. Perhaps the brutal letting go of ego, of expectations, of control is not only a part of aging, but a preparation for my homegoing. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.